great honor. I've known this couple for a long time in a lot of different settings. We've worked together in, in leadership with the uh, uh, MFI fellowship that we're, we are part of with all the churches, but also with City Bible Church, which I pastored for the last 25 years, handed over the last year to Mark Estes. But, and then <clears throat> during that time, uh, been around J.O. and Radine in conferences, and I really appreciate um, several things about them. You know, as we come to this 11-year anniversary, uh, I pastored for 40 years, two different churches. Anniversaries were a big deal. Memories and people and all that happens in that setting. I appreciate J.O. and Radine. Number one, um, integrity. Appreciate their integrity. I've never seen him wobble like some leaders do. I've seen him stay the course, him and his wife, through it all. I want to applaud their enthusiasm for the kingdom of God and uh, their passion for people, to restore people and to see people touched and helped and evangelism and all that that means in discipleship besides evangelism. And then building a great church. Uh, it, takes, it takes a lot of um, sacrifice, virtue in the individual who leads and everybody who follows. Uh, but it takes someone that stretches continually. And it's not an easy thing. Most of people that have never pastored would not know that virtue. But it's never away from you. It's always there. You're always pressing against darkness for the light, for the people, for people's lives, for the vision, for the finance, for planting churches, for sending missionaries, for helping facilities. It never evaporates, not even on vacation. It's, it's there all the time. Even when you have that moose in your sights and you shoot it, or that bear, or that deer, like this pastor does, which I have never harmed any animals. <laughs> I have shot a lot of birds, a lot of pheasants, a lot of bird hunting. Uh, <clears throat> it's still on you at all times. You, you think about it, you feel it, you carry it. It's a burden. It's a virtue. It's a calling. It's a, it's a unique way of living. And some pastors burn out. Some pastors go funny. Some pastors quit pressing and just let the church kind of relax and almost go backwards. Some do. Some decline. I've been all over the world, and I, I travel literally every weekend, different places, different churches, in every nation, all over. And so I get to see those that have been doing five years, 50 years, 100 years in their churches. And uh, it's, it's uh, unusual to see a church, even at 11 years. Our church is 65 years old, 67 actually, same age I am back at City Bible. And uh, we've had three pastors, Dick Iverson, myself, and now Mark Estes, 67 years, three pastors. And uh, the church has gone through stuff where you have to press it and do things, but the people have always responded to leadership, and so that church has gone on. It's, it's uh, impressive and uh, something you need to be congratulated on, that after 11 years, you're still passionate, you're happy, you're, you're unified, you're on your way somewhere, you're, your pastors are morally good, financially good, marriage, marriage, well, the marriage needs prayer. The marriage is good. Uh, 
in every area of their life. They, they are uh, a great model, and this church is a great model. And you're touching the city. I've been a few places already in the city, and everybody knows this church. Everybody knows him. It's just like, oh, you're, you're that guy. And, you know, then he starts talking, and then before you know it, they get a card, they get an invitation, they get a prayer. You know, that's their life and his life. And your life. And so I want to congratulate you on being a great church and being uh, great pastors. I, I think it'd be fitting uh, for us to stand to our feet and give J.O. and Radita a big hand of thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Before you're seated, before you're seated, it's not only him we're thinking. We're thinking the Lord, obviously. Without the Lord, none of this would happen. Uh, without J.O. and Radine, it might have happened under someone else, but it didn't happen under them. But it wouldn't happen without you. You're serving your hours of sacrifice. You're giving of your finance for every which cause, all the time, Sunday in, Sunday out, week in, week out, month in, year you're sacrificing serving thousands of hours to make this church happen and youth and children and worship and, and on and on and on and on and on. It's you, it's you that makes a great church. It's your willingness to follow, your willingness to serve, your willingness to build. You to be here this morning on this fine Sunday, Sunday morning. You're here worshiping, praying, and believing God and giving, and you're happy and you're clapping. You're a great church. I want you to turn to two or three people, high-five them, and say, it's because of you. Wonderful. Thank you very much. I want to jump right now under the word because this is the 909-909 service. Is that what it is? 99-99. This is the 99 service. You got to get ready for the 1111 service so you can go to the 2-2 picnic. Uh, I won't be able to finish this message, and I'm doing a different message each service. You, you might want to download last night's message. It, it was a message for the church. This morning, what I'm going to say is for the church and for you as an individual. And then in the last service, if you want to stay, I'm going to wrap it up with a different message again. Uh, the name of the series that I'm doing is called The Power of We. And so I'm taking the idea that um, everything that you will ever do in life, everything you will ever do in life, will be most profitable if you do it with someone else. Nobody was created to be alone. God is the God of we, us, and our. Let us make man in our image, Genesis 1. Let us make man. Before anybody was in creation or incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was the eternal son of God in eternity. He was already the son of God before he was ever incarnated. Do you realize that? He existed in the Godhead in eternity before he ever was incarnated in flesh. 
Meaning, Father God was never by himself. There was always a triunity, a triad. There was always the triunity God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're eternal. They will be eternal. They will always be. God is a God of us. Our culture is a God of me, my, and I. Our culture is very independent. Our culture is very much on that individual person, your destiny, your fulfillment, your job, your career, what you do for how you make your decisions. And it's all about you finding yourself and identifying your personality and, and doing something with your life and getting the right career. And all those things are important. I'm not saying they're not. But in the kingdom of God, I, me, and my have to surrender to us and we. There's a community, there's a group, there's the thing called the body of Christ, the church. There's something called relationships that the devil is so totally against that he's annihilated America from the, from the foundation up when it comes to marriage and relationships and friendships. He's annihilated our country from the foundations up knowing that if he can fragment the relationships, he can fragment the destiny of a whole nation. And so that's where he goes. He fragments relationships on, on every level. And then now they're all messed up in their definitions and everything else because they, they are under attack. We are under attack. Uh, the whole world is under attack. But the, the uh, purpose of God will be fulfilled in the we, the us together, and the individual giving into that. Of course, it is easier in some ways to do life all by yourself. It's easier not to have anybody you're responsible for. It's easier not to have to go to work because you don't have to earn money for anybody or make a decision or watch out. And, you know, it's, it's hard when you get married because now you have someone that wants some of your money. And uh, they, they, they also want some of your time, and they also want some of everything else. So all of a sudden, you got to share. And, and then if that's not bad enough, you have offspring, and they're 10 times worse than the wife was or the husband was. And then the kids, they want more, and they spend more, and they do more. And then you, you have to now watch out for your marriage, and then you got to watch out for your kids. And kids are very, very uh, complicated. Parenting is complicated uh, because you, you learn the scriptures that all are born in sin and shape and iniquity, especially children. And so you begin to realize parenting is just one tough thing. I mean, it never lets up. I'm still parenting. We're, we're, we're grandparents. Our, our kids are adult kids. And we have one son that's married, three daughters that are not. We're looking for husbands. If you're a volunteer, come see me. And so we have... That's not true. Do not, do not let my daughters hear that message or I will be crucified prior to the coming of Christ. Okay. But it's all about that. I mean, when, when, you, when, you, when you raise a family, selfishness doesn't go over well. Everything is up for grabs. Everything is theirs. Matter of fact, you start living for them almost totally. You live through them. I was a sports person my whole life. I played every sport through junior high, high school, college. I almost went to professional baseball. I tried out for three different teams. I went to the Orioles. I went to the Dodgers. I went to the Angels. I was into sports my whole life. But you know, there was nothing compared to watching my son play sports. Not even close. Something about playing in and through him and seeing him being satisfied and, and, you know, all the people can't believe this when I say it, but it's true. All of his 
and father the son. I have three daughters, and I didn't go to all their sporting events, and, and they need inner healing, so pray for them. But with, <laughs> with my son, I went to every sporting event he had in junior high school. I never, I never missed one basketball game. He was a basketball player. In all of high school, not one game, not one tournament. When he played football, not one game. And they, when they had games on Sunday, I would do a video for the church. <laughs> this is true. I would record my message, and I would say to the church, Hey, good morning. This is Pastor Frank. I'm not there in body, but I'm there in spirit because I'm at a basketball game with my son, and I'm going to be watching basketball while you're listening to me preach. Have a great Sunday. I didn't hide it. I didn't try to make excuses. Like I said, that he's number one. He's number one in my life. I'm going to be there. And you know, as I look back, I am so glad that I did that right there. Because you can never replace it. When it's gone, it's gone. But I captured those minutes. Okay, I'm not preaching on parenting, but that's my problem. I preach so many sermons in one sermon. Okay. <clears throat> Everyone say we. We. Are. The church. the church. We, we are, are important, important. Together. together. We're better, We're better. Together, together than apart. Than apart. Therefore, Therefore, I need, I need to, get to get rid of selfishness. selfishness. I, I, me, me and my, my are demonic. Can <laughs> you believe that? <laughs> They're not really demonic. They're not really. Okay. Ephesians 3.20, 17 minutes left. It's the devil that made clocks. <laughs> Ephesians 3.20, God can do anything. Everyone shout anything. anything. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine. I, I want you to, to take these words to heart. We're talking about you as an individual, you as a church, you could ever imagine. Well, I can imagine a lot of things. But the Bible says I can't imagine how good God can do good things for me. I can't imagine how much, how big, how wide. I can't even imagine it. God is so much better. God is so good. God is so wonderful. Anything you're imagining for your life, it's a low shot. You're shooting for the trees when you should be shooting for the stars. And God says, lift your vision. God says, look, if you can imagine what I'm going to do, which you can't even imagine, we live in such a low level of imagination imagination or guess or request how about your wildest dreams you have some wild dreams oh, yeah. I do and you know I've never let them go the other day I was reading something I had written years back a list a wish list for God and me just an idea list on what I thought would be really out of the box out of the boat amazing faith stretching out to areas and arenas. And when I read the list, I thought, that was a pitiful list. <laughs> All of that's been fulfilled a long time ago. And I thought it was so big and so wonderful. You can't imagine how big and wonderful God is because that's the way God is. He's so much better. Now, Hebrews 12. Let us, everyone say us. This is in your Bible now, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Not let me, let us, come on, say it. Us. 
Run. No, I'm preaching. You're listening now. <laughs> Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Come on, say it. Us. 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 Let us run with endurance the race set before us. There's something very unique about personal destiny being hidden in corporate community. I'll say that again. It should be a bumper sticker. There's something very unique about personal destiny hidden in corporate community. In that, much of what I think my personal destiny is cannot be fulfilled outside of others. And the others actually are the ones that are going to make my destiny. The others are the ones who are going to guide and help and support and make me the person I'm going to be. And so really personal destiny can't be found. I'm going to say this and I do believe this. I don't believe personal destiny can be found individually outside of being involved in the church. Now that's a statement that some people will email me, text me, and I'm glad you don't have my email or my phone number. So you can just text the bishop here. I'm reading from his notes. The church is important. As I look back on my life, I'm so glad I gave myself to the church. And you know, I have enough years under me. I'm 67. I've been in ministry 40 some years. I started with a lot of guys and girls, Bible college way back when we were in our early 20s. That's a long time ago. You know, some of them that showed the most promising gifts. Some of them that had the most charismatic personalities. Some of them that had the best papers that were ever written in Portland Bible College. Some of them that were amazing leaders in their dorms. Didn't sustain it. And so I meet them all over the world. Some of them have been shipwrecked two or three times. Some of them are not impacting anything. They're, they're totally off in a tributary in a swampland. And as I trace it back with most of the ones I talk with, it's because they forsook one of the most basic principles of kingdom living. It's called being involved, committed to, and loving the local church. They found a way to criticize. They found a way to, to somehow annihilate that relationship. They found a way to be against the pastor, against the elders, against the church, against corporate gatherings, against the institution called the church. We're going to go into the home. We're going to go into the wilderness. We're going to go eat freeze food, you know, and, and live in Idaho. I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of them end up moving in places up this way. Uh, not in Coeur d'Alene, of course. But you know, it's, it's a simple thing. Live for the church, in the church, with the church, through the church, and you'll find a better life for yourself, for your family, for your children, and your children's children. People that withdraw only do it for one generation and they destroy their children. And I've watched it. Their kids don't serve God. So even if you are totally upset and totally 
offended and you have a problem with the church, stay with it for your kids' sake. If for nothing else, stay it for your children. You can live through it, but they might not. And if you hate the church, they'll double hate it. You criticize it, they'll annihilate it. You throw it under the bus, they'll throw it under 10 buses. Okay, I'm, I'm still trying to get through my introduction. <laughs> wow. We, everyone say we. we. We run marathon vision races. That's what I'm saying to you this morning. We run marathon vision races. We're not here for one year, one decade I didn't pastor City Bible Church for me. I pastored it for the next generation. It was in my mind the very day I took that church when I was 42 years old. I wasn't pastoring the 42-year-old. I wanted to pastor the 16-year-old. Why? Because they're the generation that's going to take this church. And if we don't pastor them and love them and, and have a marathon mentality, all we do is go from... Church service, church, I'll tell you right now, church services, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, really are not the purposes of God being fulfilled on planet Earth. So if you have a bad church service, Jesus doesn't stand up in heaven and say, oh, my God, the worship is off today. Oh, angels, everybody get their instruments. We got to do something because Seth chose a wrong song. It doesn't interest heaven. It doesn't bother heaven. What bothers heaven is when people's lives are not fulfilled with the fruit of the Spirit for a lifetime where they impart that to their families and they disciple the unsaved and the unchurched into the kingdom of God. When that doesn't happen, heaven gets concerned. But a few little things like the lighting or the sound, I used to have people come and say, you know, it's just Pastor Frank, it's just I love our church, but I'm telling you, I hate the sound. I'd say, well... You know, I have a word for you. You do? I said, I do. Earplugs. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'll buy them. And I did. And I set them on the back there. And I simply said to them, because I passed on a multi-generational church. Thank you. Your tithe comes to me for the next six months. I said, I said to our church, the younger generation, right, wrong, or indifferent, I don't care how you're going to try to defend this. They like it loud. The older generation says, we're going to lose our hearing. You're going to lose it anyway. <laughs> and so the older generation was saying things to me like that. And I said, look it. You're going to stay in the church whether the music is loud or soft. Is that right? right? Yeah, of course we will. Because you're pillars. Of course we are. And you give and you pray and you love. Of course we do. And I said, then let's just sacrifice all of that for the next generation that has a little flaw called loudness. <laughs> and let them be loud. And go back and get your earplugs. You know, I had... A lot of those older saints come up to me with the airplane and say, Pastor Frank, we're serving for the next generation. Clink, clink. Oh. You know, that's just one little thing. But the church 
is not just for your taste. Okay. It's, this is profound. Jeez, it's so good. Frank, you are so good. I'm encouraging myself and the Lord here. <clears throat> wow. Marathon vision runners, that's you. I'm going to ask you a question. And you're going to answer it. Go ahead and put up the slide. The question I'm going to ask is simply this. Why did God bring you to this church? Why did God bring you here? Well, because you, you need to be balanced. And I'm a balancing factor. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, because you need my money. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I don't think so. I think the Lord brings people to the church for four reasons. One, to increase your vision. If you come into a visionary church, it will increase your vision for everything. And you'll stretch your business and your family. You'll be a better person. You'll have more faith to get out of the boat. You know what it's like to do warfare. Why? Because you're in a church that has vision. Second, it will enlarge your faith. As the church bought this building, did it not enlarge your faith? When he first said it, he thought, oh, J.O., come on. That's, that's a little far out. I mean, how are we going to do that? And then you buy it, you remodel it, you get into it. Then you go, wow, you know, faith works. And then someone gets prayed for, and, and they get healed. And you think, wow, that's a miracle. She, she's really healed. She, the woman's really healed. Yeah, she's really healed. One to talk a while. And your faith starts growing before you know it. You start believing for greater things. You start talking about greater things. You start living for a greater cause. Your faith begins to increase. Third, to bless you. And to use you in a proper way, not abuse, use you for the kingdom of God. And fourth, to change you forever. Church, these things happen. In good churches, in bad churches, reverse it. The opposite happens. You never change. You don't get used. Your faith dwindles. You end up drying up on the vine. You hate going to church. Nothing happens with the word of God. You never feel the Holy Spirit. I would say leave that church. Why? Because it's not a New Testament church. Now, I'm not telling you to leave. If you are a visitor on vacation and you go to a dead church and you go home and say, I listened to a pastor and he told me to leave your dead church. Please don't use my name. <laughs> I'm reading from J.O.'s notes. <laughs> so just quote J.O. Say what J.O. said. If, if the horse is dead, get off. <laughs> We're a marathon church. You're a marathon church. A marathon church holds strong beliefs and values. You have that here. That's a wonderful thing. A marathon church is spiritually alive with God's presence. I love watching Seth and the team and their songs. And, you know, I mean, that's a long song he wrote. I mean, I'd fall asleep before I finished writing that song. I mean, that's a long song for his generation to sing because that's what they do. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, again, I've seen so many styles. Style is not the issue. Presence of God is. 
and presence of God knows no generation. Presence of God doesn't say, I like that song. Oh, I don't like that song. I'm not coming. Spiritually alive. A marathon church has a clear mission and purpose. A marathon church is willing to change, meet new challenges. This is your church. A marathon church welcomes innovation and change. Matter of fact, they create it. A marathon church is intentionally multicultural, multi-ethic. Intentionally. A marathon church is contemporary and relevant. It, it's, it's, it's not bad to be a nerd pastor or a weird pastor or a no personality pastor. The Holy Spirit can use even Balaam donkey to talk through. And so we understand it's not just about, but it is nice to have a pastor that's cool. I mean, J.O. is cool. And he's got arms. He's got arms. When he's up there, I'm looking, I'm going... I'm not going to wear that kind of shirt. <laughs> Radine is cool. She's, she's pretty. She's cool. She's savvy. She's fashionable. She's, she, she honors her husband. She kisses him on the top of his bald head. She's a great lady. It's good to have relevance. There's nothing wrong with being contemporary. Matter of fact, I think it's smart. I think, it, I think Seth's wife's hair is amazing. I, I can hardly get into the worship because I stare at her hair. Whoa, is that all hers? And then I start asking myself a question, how does she wash it? What does she do when, I mean, whoa. I mean, just to come to the church to see her, it's a plus. It's a plus. Come on. Have you ever read a C.S. Lewis book called Screwtape Letters? It's the best. If you've never read it, go buy it, find it. Matter of fact, buy everything the man ever wrote. Amen. He's the best thinker, best writer that has ever lived on planet Earth besides Jesus and Paul and Frank. So C.S. Lewis. About the church. C.S. Lewis and Screwtape Letters, it's the senior devil. What a genius way of writing the, the senior devil is discipling the junior devil. That's what the book is about. And so the senior devil is instructing the junior devil how to tempt and trap humans. That's what he's discipling this junior devil to do. One quote to the junior devil from the senior devil. One of our great allies at present is the church itself. Now, this is the devil to the junior devil. One of the allies is the church itself. But do not misunderstand me, says the senior devil. 
I hate even quoting senior devil. I do not mean the church as we see her spread out through all the time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. That, I contend, is a spectacle which makes our boldest tempters weary and uneasy. But fortunately, it is quite unvisible to the humans because that church is not there. What is the greatest ally for the kingdom of hell? A dead church that ruins people with religion where they never hunger for Jesus. They never know the Holy Spirit. They never know the presence. I was raised in a church like that my whole life. And I hated church. Passionately, I hated church. That's why back then I smoked marijuana. It was illegal then. Now I can smoke it with no guilt. And so... <laughs> no, no. Please take that off the tape. Erase it. Erase it for all eternity. Frank never said that. I hated the church. Why? Because it was dead. It was useless. It was... It was it was everything that I hated about life. But when I found Jesus and the Jesus People Movement, and I went to the first gathering where there was presence, you know, you know what the, the thought I had? I'll tell you right now, and it stayed with me all these years. The thought I had, this was the thought. I am only 17 years old. And I'm looking around, and I'm in this thing I've never been in, ever, ever. I had never felt the presence of God my whole life for 17 years, ever. And as I'm sitting there on the floor, you know, all these young people are weeping and we're singing choruses and the presence of God is so powerful in that room. I said to myself, why didn't anybody tell me about this? That, that was my... My real is that why didn't anybody tell me about this? I would, have, I would have gone this way a long time ago if somebody would have told me about this. The problem is there's 40,000 people in Coeur d'Alene that don't, don't know about this. And when you say church, they think dead, irrelevant, legalistic, unusable, Weird people, Republicans. That's what they think. And someone needs to get them into a place where they will say, why didn't someone tell me that Jesus was so good and church was so amazing and wow, if I would have known this, I would have done it 30 years ago. And that's what you will find Everywhere in Coeur The church. The church. When it's done right, is the mightiest, most amazing instrument of God in all the universe. Think of it. Think of it. In other countries, people die together in small groups. China did it for years. Pakistan, Afghanistan, we got people in these countries. 
and you can't gather. You, you get into some of the Islam countries and, and you take your life. And we don't even understand how powerful it is to stand in the freedom of our country, lift up our holy hands to God and enjoy his presence week in and week out with the preaching of the Bible and Bibles everywhere and worship and people and everybody happy. You are one lucky people. That's right. I'm telling you the truth. Treat the wife of Jesus with respect. On our worst day, we're still the devil's worst enemy. On our worst day.